Bible's open there. Let me just get in a more central location. Good morning. I'm Colin. Good to have you with us. Good the heating's still on okay? Not bad, eh? Um, I spent uh, most of yesterday putting together furniture from Ikea. Because I'm a classy bloke. Um, uh, Have you... Have you done, done any of that recently? Here's um, one that somebody made for Donald Trump recently. Some Ikea furniture. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. It's pretty good. But um, it, it can be tricky. Even though it's pretty simple, it can be tricky. I mean, it takes me ages just to get past the first page. They expect you to learn all these languages first before you can follow the instructions. And then you turn over and you find it's all pictures anyway. But let me give you a top tip, okay? It's very wise to pay attention to those introductory pages, to make sure that you've got all the essential bits and pieces that you're going to need to do a good job and for the furniture to turn out how the creators of it intended. So chapter 4, verse 1, Deuteronomy, we're looking at this morning. Now Moses starts, now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I am about to teach you. But I don't know if you've read read the rest of chapter 4, the one thing that isn't there is any more laws and decrees. By the time we get to verse 44, we've not had any. Instead, in this section, Moses sets out what it is they need to know to give them half a chance of listening to God and obeying him as they enter the promised land, to make sure that they've got everything they need to do a good job of obeying God and turning out to be the people their creator intended them to be in the land that he set aside for them. So just to get us up to speed where we're up to in Deuteronomy, um, Moses, so the old prophet Moses, is, is giving his parting words to Israel. They've been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years after God dramatically rescued them from slavery in Egypt and made them his very own nation at Mount Horeb, promising them a land of prime real estate, all of their own. Um, So last week we saw Moses getting this generation in front of him to look back at how their parents, despite God's miraculous faithful care of them, had not listened and not obeyed and refused to enter the land. But at last, here they are, on the edge of the land again, almost time to cross the River Jordan and go into the land. So Moses wants them to avoid the mistakes of their parents by listening to God's instructions to them, his laws, decrees, and commands, and obeying them. Because they're God's blueprint of how they can respond in a sort of of whole-of-life way to God's grace to them. So let's join the Israelites sitting on the grass, listening to Moses. There's an outline in your leaflets there. It's the first heading, listen and obey for mission. So verse 1 gives the headlines, um, obey to enjoy the good life. Um, You don't need to work out what to do yourselves. Verse 2, just obey God. And there are consequences for not obeying and obeying. Um, So verse 3 and 4, follow them up. Um, the cross-reference is up in Numbers later, but it's referring to an incident where God put to death those who had disobeyed him, but kept those who were faithful. See, God has already shown 
by the time Moses is speaking, God's already shown in their history what Moses is saying. That these aren't just arbitrary, picked out of the air laws or a test, but that they're good, right responses to God's freely given grace and will result in life for them. And that disobeying God's word in the new land will be just plain bad for them. But if we think of it as uh, followers of Jesus, so we might object, because last term we looked at Ephesians, right? And we saw that life, salvation, doesn't come from obeying the law, but comes by faith, through grace. So what's going on? Well, we'll see in a couple of weeks when we look at chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, that what God is after is heart obedience in response to his grace. So just as we saw in Ephesians, we're to obey in response to the blessings we already have in Christ by faith. So here, Israel are to express their faith in God, whose grace they've physically already experienced, in obedience. It's just that for them, for the Israelites Moses is speaking to, uh, they're going to be very specific ways of obeying which points to the bigger picture of who God, their special relationship with God and what God is like. And if they follow these ways, it will bring them a good, long life in the promised land. But it's not just them that will benefit from obeying God's words. Their obedience to God has got a mission. Verse 6. Observe the laws and decrees. Observe them carefully. For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear all about, these, all about these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them and the, the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous degrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? All right, so just picture a few years down the track, Israel are in the promised land, and a Moabite, an Egyptian, and an Ammonite go into a bar. So the Ammonite bumps his head on the way in because he's a bit tall and tough, and, and he's bragging about how tough his people are. The Egyptian blokes, he's, brag, he, he's bragging as well. He's going on about all these new pointy triangular tombs that they're building. The Moabite, he says, yeah... But what about those Israelites, eh? And the others go quiet, nod knowingly. Those Israelites, they they just seem to get everything right. They live such peaceful, well-organized, prosperous lives. Even their poorest are taken care of. And they seem so assured. When they worship and all that, they, they seem happy, confident even. And they don't even know what their God looks like. Yet they talk about him more like he's, he's their king or, or their father than a God that they have to stand the right side of. That's the missional aim of Israel, hearing God's word and obeying it. Getting that kind of reaction. Uh, near our house in, in Woodcroft, there's, show, there's a street with show homes. Have you ever been in them? Yeah, so they never have daggy carpets, do they, or the cheapo fittings with the dripping taps. They show you all the stuff that gets you interested, that makes you think, oh, this is a good house builder. I'll build my house with them. That's what Israel are to be 
for God in the land, his, his show home, if you like, if they listen to God's words and obey them. And we get the same idea for us in the New Testament, in 1 Peter 2, verse 12. It says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So listening to God's words is going to be good for them, the Israelites, and it's going to be good for others, pointing them to God. And as we listen to God's words in the Bible and be like someone who builds his house on the rock, putting them into action, turning from sin, trusting in Jesus, we become more and more a show home for God. Now, let me say, none of this is to say that we don't need to use words as well. So it's not a case that if we just live good lives, everyone will realize that God is great and know know the gospel. Because part of obeying God for followers of Jesus is using words, speaking the good news of Jesus. But observe, so know and carry out God's words carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding. So next, listen and obey by remembering. So I know we're in August, but um, can I ask you, how's your New Year's resolution going? Can you even remember what your New Year's resolution was? Is good on you if you can. Um, But we do tend to forget. Now, you can picture Moses giving this talk, um, and his audience are nodding along, um, or maybe even giving the occasional whoop, like Lisa does sometimes, you know, like looking approving. But Moses, the old man, he's nobody's fool. He gets people. He knows what they're like. Now, I'm sure none of you um, have lowered yourself to watching The Bachelor. Um, I I just happened to see it on the screen, but there's... um, One of the ladies in there is called Michelle, and she's a police officer. And she doesn't get embroiled in all the drama and arguing because, as a police officer, she just knows people. She gets what people are like. Moses gets Israel. He knows what they're like. He's seen good intentions before. And so he warns them to remember and teach their children so that they remember too. So Deuteronomy 4, from verse 9. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. So following God and being a disciple of Jesus is not a set and forget thing. So yes, you are a child of God as much as the first day you believed. And your eternal life with God is secure in Jesus. And yet the Bible is full of warnings, like this one, not to forget. The book of Hebrews alone has got 12 warnings against falling away. Why? Because God knows, and Moses knew, that part of our fallen nature is that we are prone to forgetting and disobeying. So even though the Israelites have seen incredible things with their own eyes, there's still a danger that it will fade from their hearts. 
You know, one of the first steps we take towards sin, towards rebelling against God, is to distance ourselves from God, to kind of blank him out. And it's good to recognize that we do this so we can carefully watch ourselves. Um, This is our dog, Lily. Um, She does this weird thing. When we give her one of those chew sticks, she makes a sort of a noise and wanders around the house until she can find somewhere where no one can see her. I don't know why she does some weird instinct thing. But when it comes to sin, we do the same. So I don't know if you've ever been at a really, really great service, had a great talk, or you've been at a conference, and it's, you feel really pumped. That you feel so, so into God right there and then that you can't imagine why you would ever want to sin. But then you cool off and you find yourself avoiding the Bible, avoiding prayer, uh, maybe avoiding certain people, perhaps avoiding church. And the distance allows your heart to cool towards God. So what can we do to watch ourselves? Well, we can build discipline. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself here as well. We can build, build, build discipline in ourselves so that our Bible reading and prayer is, isn't about whether or not we feel like it, but because it's that time and that's what you do at that time. We can give one another permission to ask one of those questions of significance. So um, John Warner was our senior pastor here, and on his final Sunday, I said, one of the great things about him is that he makes you squirm. He asks you those pointy questions that help you to see if you're forgetting God. It's a good way of loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. I encourage you to make your growth groups, make them a safe place, a confidential place where you can genuinely open up to one another to say how you're really going, what you're really struggling with. And we can use technology, we can use apps and emails for reading the Bible, websites, sermons, books, whatever it is, use it to remember how good and great God is. That's what Moses tells Israel to do and to teach their children. He reminds them, verses 11 to 14, of their awesome encounter with the living God, fire and smoke, and that they didn't see him, but heard his voice. God himself spoke to them. God speaks to his people. So for us, God speaks to us through his word in the Bible, um, and by his Holy Spirit illuminates those words for us so that we hear them with our heart. It speaks into our hearts. And that's our prayer before every service that we do here, that God will do that through his word. That's why I wasn't especially worried about today um, with the moving here and the power going off, because whatever happens, we've still got the Bible to read and teach to remember God. So watch yourselves uh, and one another closely so you don't forget God. God speaks through his word. Listen to him. And if you're feeling that you've put some distance between you and God, blanking him out, it's time to come back and remember him again. So back on the grass with Moses and the Israelites. And Moses is a bit cynical, really, isn't he? He says to Israel, 
You won't listen and obey. That's our next heading. You won't listen and obey, but... So, verse 15 20, which we didn't get rid of, but they've been a warning against idolatry. Pointing out just how daft it is to carve something that, that looks like a good thing. For example, a fish that God has given to everyone. How daft that is when they are, Israel are, um, God's treasured possession. And God is unseen anyway. We don't know what he looks like. But then verse 25 starts with, if you end up getting into idolatry. But I don't know if you notice, as it goes on, it sounds more and more like Moses is certain that this is definitely going to happen. So from 25, verse 25-ish, you will quickly perish from the land. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and only a few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you. There you will worship man-made gods of wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or eat or smell. Um, Maybe Moses has been shown by God that Israel will indeed eventually be kicked out of the promised land, um, taken into exile in Babylon. Or maybe, like we said, he just knows what they're like, knows the consequences of consistently disobeying God, and has put two and two together. Either way, the prospects don't look good. But God's made promises to Israel. So back in Genesis 22, I've um, got this on the screen. Yeah, Ab- Abraham was promised this by God. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So we've got that promise, and yet it also seems guaranteed that Israel will disobey, not keep their side of the covenant, their contract with God, and so are doomed to end up in exile from the land. So how do these two truths go together? Well, it's because there is hope, not in themselves, but in God. Verse 29. But if from there, from exile, you seek the Lord your God, You will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in later days you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he confirmed to them by oath. God is merciful and will find a way for his people to return to him. Even when they've thrown his covenant of grace back in his face, it's not the end of the road. There are consequences, there's discipline, but God promises if they turn back, he will be merciful. God is true to his promise of giving Abram's descendants the promised land. And God is true to his promise of blessing all the nations, all humanity, through one of Abram's descendants, through Jesus. Because every one of us, like the Israelites' parents, every one of us has failed to love God as we should. We all deserve exile from God. But if we turn to him, he is merciful. And how do we do that? 
by trusting and believing in Jesus. See, Jesus listened to and he obeyed God perfectly. And because he did that, his death on the cross takes our punishment, turning away God's wrath, God's right anger against our refusing to listen for our disobeying. So Jesus perfectly fulfills God's promises to punish disobeying by taking our punishment for us and to bless those who do listen to him and obey him by winning us eternal life through the forgiveness of sins. So on the cross, Jesus keeps God's promise of justice and God's promise of mercy. So now Moses motivates the Israelites to obedience by showing them their history of experiencing God's grace is the best thing ever. It's the next heading, the best thing ever. So Moses gives a kind of a story so far of Israel's history. Uh, and when he holds up the light to all the amazing things that God's done, he's right to ask, um, verse 32, since humans were created from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything so great happened or been heard of? And it's a rhetorical question. Of course not. Israel have they've heard the voice of God. They've been made a nation with God as their head of state. They've seen miracles and wonders. They've won wars they shouldn't have been able to. They've been delivered from slavery, from the superpower Egypt. Led through the desert and provided for. And why? Verse 35. You were shown these things so that you might know the Lord is God. Beside him there is no other. So as they're on the edge of their meet, of meeting, their, um, meeting their God-given destiny of going into the land, they're reminded that God has shown them grace and power from the beginning. And that this law he's given them is part of that grace. And obeying it is the way to respond to that grace. So why would they want to disobey him? For us in the here and now, God has personally intervened to bless us through Jesus. Moses doesn't make it into the promised land. Spoiler alert, sorry. But Deuteronomy is not the last we see of him in the Bible. In Matthew 17, we find him, find Moses, on a mountaintop, hearing God's words again, along with the prophet Elijah, who had also heard God's voice heard God's voice on Horeb, along with three disciples of Jesus. And what do these men hear God say about Jesus? Matthew 17, verse 5. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. God fulfills his promise to bless the nations through Jesus. Listen to him and obey by turning from sin and believing and trusting in Jesus. So finally, Moses urges them to take to heart all that they've seen and heard. 
So why should they listen and obey to this law they're about to hear? Because God is good. And God is God. And so his law will bring them life. Verse 39. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands which I am giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time. All time. It's easy to forget that they had the opportunity to enjoy the good life with God in the land forever if they obeyed. For these Israelites on the edge of the land, it made perfect sense um, now to hear how God wanted them to live. He is the only true God. He has their best interests at heart and he's going to tell them exactly how to please him. Now, because of Jesus, we're no longer under this law. Uh, there's much we can learn from this law about what is wise and about what pleases God. But we are still called to listen and obey. To listen to Jesus to hear his call, to turn away from our sin, to turn back to God, trusting and believing in him. And if we do, God is faithful and will forgive our sins, giving us long life with him for all time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please help us to listen to you listen to your words in the Bible, to hear them and to obey. Please um, help us to look out for one another, to watch one on ourselves and watch one another closely so that we don't forget, so that we may enjoy life with you. Amen. Thanks so much.